Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'll pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. It's the middle of the week, and you're listening to the Eagle Hour live from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and downtown Laurel. Luke Johnson, Michael Mergens, Bob out today. Great show for you today. Marshant Kenny going to join us in the second segment today. Kelly Sander on a little later. We'll get to Patrick McGee, being that it is Wednesday from the Bluxy Sun Herald in just a moment. But happy to have you along on the Eagle Hour first segment today and always brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue. Located in a community near you, the best meats around, smoked and freshly cooked every single day. Fourth of July coming up. Uh, Dickies can always cater your next event. And remember, when you eat in store, you get some of that fresh, awesome, cold, soft-serve ice cream. Dickies cooked here, loved everywhere. It is the middle of the week, and like every middle of the week, every Wednesday, we go down to the man that's been with us uh, from the very beginning of the Eagle Hour, sports writer, and uh, all-around good dude, Patrick McGee from the Bluxy Sun-Herald. And Patrick, uh, it's Wednesday. Seems like these weeks roll around, and, and maybe right now, though, it is kind of the dry spell of, of news uh, for the summer, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you're sitting here watching the College World Series, but, you know, that's only eight teams out there. Well, I guess a few eliminated now. It's You kind of turn in your eye to football season already. I know Mississippi State fans are losing their minds right now. Uh, they should be excited. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's already starting to uh, feel like football season a little bit. Mississippi State, of course, last night defeated Virginia, blew up my man, Captain Dippin' Dots, and uh, they, they advance uh, to the winner's bracket on Friday. Hey, new, ar- new article uh, you'll have later in this week, Patrick, uh, about brand-new football defensive coordinator Austin Armstrong. He's been on this show um, uh, uh, several months back. Um, but, but what can you tell us, you know, targeting in on the new defensive coordinator, Austin Armstrong? Yeah, he and I sat down for uh, – or sat down. We talked on the phone for about an hour this morning, and he was uh, really gracious with his time and kind of going over his, his – you know, what took him up to this point in his coaching career and, and his relationship with Will Hall and, and everything he really sees in this defense, uh, you know, a month or so out from, from the start of – I guess it's, what, two months, one month? I know I need a countdown or something like that. Seventy-two days, I think. 72 days but it's getting closer and and it it was good to kind of sit down with him and really kind of go on an overview of the defense and everything he really wants to instill in Hattiesburg and you know he's he's not even 28 years old yet but you could tell that he's really kind of soaked up everything that everybody's kind of taught him or you know people he's you know just watched over the years whether it's Kirby Smart, Will Hall, uh, Ron Roberts you know the people he's been around throughout his career He's he's really kind of taken in everything po- he could possibly could, and obviously he's Im- impressed his coaches enough to where he's really taken a quick jump from a graduate assistant at Western West Georgia all the way up to defensive coordinator at Southern Miss in the span of about six six years six seven years. So 
Uh, pretty impressive dude. Uh, it's, it's, it's not easy to get to that point at 27 years old. I can't really think of a coordinator of that age in Southern Miss's history. Uh, you know, I, I, I just rack my brain now. I can't really think of anybody close to that age. You know, Scotty Walden never really – he was co-offensive coordinator, but he was never the coordinator. So, uh, yeah, Austin Armstrong, uh, he, I look forward to, to sitting down really hashing out this story. I hope I have it, have it ready to publish in the morning as a subscriber exclusive. I, I should correct. It's seventy three games until the uh, seventy three days until the first game against South Al. But you're talking about right. about preseason camp. We're about forty days, give or take yeah. a, a few days. But but yeah, that, I think that's one thing that Golden Eagle fans are excited about. Um, you know, we see so many programs across the country where you go after the young guy. You may not be able to get him in five years because he's a quick riser, but you can be the school that kind of put him on the map ten years from now. You look at him, you know, a successful head coach or. A, a, a huge coordinator, and I guess that's what Will Hall is going here. And you look at, he's been under Smart, he's been under Ron Roberts, of course the previous relationship with Hall. Armstrong appears to be a guy uh, that has a really high ceiling as a, as a future uh, big coach. Yeah, and I think a, a youth movement was really important for Southern Miss football. You needed you know, a refresher, something to kind of reboot things and kind of get things moving in, moving in a different direction under a new head coach. And Will Hall's still a young guy, even though he's uh, already had two stints as a head coach at the Division II level and bounced around the FBS. So uh, he's hired a lot of young guys, mixed in with some experienced guys on staff. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, you know, I did just a simple Google search. I think Austin Armstrong may be the youngest defensive coordinator in all of FBS, and uh, he's got some young guys, you know, right along with them on that defensive staff, especially in the, the secondary. So uh, I, I think it's really it was all about a different mindset for Southern Miss football and. And what Will Hall's done in terms of really trying to instill optimistic approach and and uh, uh, giving these young guys something to buy into, and I think they looked at Austin Armstrong as somebody they can relate to. Is you know he graduated from college back in 2014, so he's not that uh, far removed from that. So I, I think overall the way they piece that staff together between youth and experience, I think it does kind of uh, really kind of uh, change the approach for a lot of these returning players at Southern Miss. You can get that uh, subscriber exclusive. Uh, you can subscribe online at the Biloxi Sun Herald website. And Patrick uh, getting that new article up uh, hopefully by tomorrow on Austin Armstrong, new defensive coordinator. Patrick, uh, zooming out a little bit, uh, big news in college football. We talked about this earlier in the week. Just get your thoughts on it. Uh, the planning committee of the college football playoff signing off uh, on the at least to continue to explore the possibility of expanding the playoff to 12 teams. Of course, that's good news for Conference USA and the group of five. Uh, you would get eight at-large teams. Uh, we were kind of looking at it yesterday and just saying, you know, why, why don't they just go ahead and go to a 16? Why are we putting buys into a college football playoff? Just kind of your thoughts overall. My thought is that, that 12 is a, is a good number. 16 would get kind of big. I know each step along the way, everybody wants, you know, things to get a little bigger. But I, I think 12 is a good figure. I, I, I think buys are relevant. You know, if a team is good enough to, to earn that first-round buy, why not? You know, I, I, I just – I think it would be fine. Uh, 16, I get, I'm sure they would make it work. But uh, anything beyond 12 would be kind of a field that's slightly watered down. I, I think a field of 12 really puts – if you think about it, I mean, how, how many teams – at the end of a season, can really compete for a national championship with the top two or three teams that are say in the in the in the ranking. So I think maybe we would go beyond a, you know a ten or eleven 
teams that can maybe hang with an Alabama or something like that. So uh, once you get to 16, I think you're maybe putting a team or two in there that might be outclassed. So I, I think it's I think really a, a, the number 12 makes a lot of sense to me. You know the, the the question is if they decide to go ahead and do this, it's and I know they've got TV contracts and stuff in place. I think till twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. But if you decide on this this year, it's going to be really hard to wait till twenty twenty five and an entire group of freshmen to seniors is gone uh, b- before you change this. And who knows, Patrick, with the Supreme Court ruling this week, we might not have such a thing as a Power Five group of five. They might even break away before this thing would be implemented. Yeah, I mean that's that's worth noting. I mean that's it's you know we could see rapid change within uh, college football pretty quickly. So uh, yeah, I mean who who knows what this all looks like in twenty twenty four? It's it's you know it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But obviously, the high resource programs are going to benefit uh, from the Supreme Court's ruling and being able to provide all the uh, benefits they they possibly can really to the athletes. Uh, you know they're going to be able to raise the money uh, to really kind of answer that. So uh, it's it's all kind of waiting and seeing. I, I don't invest too much in uh, the, play, the idea of a playoff or any of this other stuff until they kind of get down to the nitty-gritty of making it happen uh, because this is just such a fast-changing situation and not just college football but just college athletics in general. Um, it, this all could look very differently here in just a few years. Last thing um, you've got up on the Sun-Herald today, uh, recapping the five uh, best Southern Miss football teams in history. I will mention one of those. Uh, we're going to have Marcia and Kenny on the next segment, uh, kind of right in the middle of your five is that 1997 team. And, and man, what uh, what a an extraordinary wealth of, of talent Marshan, of course, in the middle. So many of those guys. Pat Sertain in the secondary. Some hosses up front. Adelius Thomas. That 97 team, especially defensive-wise, kind of unparalleled in Southern Miss football history. Yeah, that was a special group. I mean, they just had players all over the field on both sides of the ball. There really wasn't a weakness in that group in 97. The number one team overall was uh, 1981, that Reggie Collier squad. Then you come back and number two, you know, you had those small school National champs, you get 1958 with Tad Pye Vance team. Like you said, uh, 1997 squad. Uh, 94, you got uh, Curly Hallman's team with Brett Barber's quarterback. So competitive. Easily could have won more games that season. And, and then Larry Fedora's final squad in 2011 that went 12-2. and two. Uh, it, It's really a tough one to hash out. It easily could have been a top 10 uh, without much difference from, from like the 8 or 9 or the 2 or 3. So uh, no doubt 97 was as gifted as had a chance to be as dominant as any team on any given Saturday. It was really an impressive team. Never forget, the Stumpster beat Alabama. 52-yard field goal on that number 90, uh, that 1990 Southern Miss football team. Hey, Patrick, thanks for your time every week. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. All right. Thanks, Luke. Patrick McGee from the Bluxy Sun-Herald. We'll step away. Marshant Kenny up next. Don't go anywhere. Eagle Hour continues after this. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Eagle Hour continues on this Wednesday. Luke Johnson in the First Bank studio in Laurel. Michael Mergens producing from Hattiesburg. Appreciate Patrick McGee's time. 
SunHerald.com. Got some exclusive content up for subscribers. They got some deals going on. You can subscribe today. Patrick covering the Golden Eagles from the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and always appreciate him every single Wednesday joining us. Second segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Campus Bookmark. They're located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Bob was telling you yesterday, unbelievable selection, specifically of Golden Eagle hats. Southern Miss hats now covering the back wall. It's kind of a tradition for me every every football season going there and, and grab a hat, and usually 365 days later, it is sweat-stained, and so I have to go get another one, and I plan to do that. But they got more than hats. They got all kinds of stuff. Right across the street from the University of Southern Mississippi on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, and you can always, always, always uh, go anytime to campusbookmark.net and shop 24-7. Hey, uh, we are excited to have a good friend of this show, awesome ambassador for Southern Miss, former Southern Miss linebacker Marshant Kenny from 1994 to 1997, played linebacker in the middle of the Nasty Bunch, and uh, here today just to relive some glory days. Marshant, what's up, brother? Oh, not too much. I appreciate all the time, love being on the show, and I'm your guy if you want to talk some glory days, man. I got two kids, and they hear enough of what happened in 96, 97, 95. So anytime you want to talk glory days, let's go. <laughs> well, let's let's be honest. Whenever they they watch uh, YouTube videos of some of those games, do they believe that it was really you out there? Man, uh, my, my neck's a couple size smaller, and I definitely have one of those big old neck rolls. So uh, a lot of times they really don't believe that was dad. That's a whole other era. Uh, but but they love watching the videos. I've definitely my son's all into him. He's twelve. He's about to play tackle football again this season. So it's always good showing them the, showing them the good old days. Well, well, Reggie's grandkids look at the the iPad on YouTube and they say, you know, that ain't you. That man was fast. <laughs> so maybe they don't say that uh, say that about you. But I, I know you're excited uh, about Will Hall taking the reins. Haven't had you on the, the show so far this year to talk about uh, Will Hall coming in. Give us your thoughts of the new Southern Miss head football coach. I mean, every now and then you get a guy in town who has that it factor, and, and you know what I mean. But when you when you see Will Hall, when you hear him interviewed, he, he's just got that it factor. You can't put a stamp on it. Uh, I think uh, the Golden Eagle Nation, all Southern Miss fans, should feel very blessed to have him in town. He's one of those guys I'm already concerned. He might not be here in four years because every other school in America is going to want him. Uh, I, I truly believe, I was talking to a friend earlier, that you know, we're ready for a turnaround in Southern Miss. You know, get to that next next level where we used to be, win 10 games, 9 games, you know, 11 even. Um, and he's the guy. And I see no reason why he can't do that this season. Uh, the, the way he has a sense of urgency about him with the team, uh, he doesn't waste anybody's time. Everything's just, you know, all business. And it's all, it's all moving forward. So um, I just expect big things in year one. Uh, I, I don't get the preseason magazines right now having us third and fourth place in the West Division, so I, I truly believe that this you don't get a ten win season, man. He's got that it factor. And and you understand this being from outside of Mississippi because uh, we had such a, an ability when you played, when I played, to go find the diamonds in the rough. And oftentimes you would have to go outside the state of Mississippi. They're still committed to that. But just speak about it, you know, somebody who who knows football. How important is it that Will Hall is now, you know, going and getting some of Mississippi's best? That's, that's so good for Southern Miss. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, in-state recruiting, you know, you're competing heavily out of the old Miss and Mississippi State. And for him to already do what he's doing, getting some of these recruits, keeping them in-house, uh, keeping them close, close to home, um, you know, that, that Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana area was, was highly targeted with the teams I was on. And 
Um, it, it just had a really good feel about the team. Plus, when you're successful with local talent, it, it just makes a big difference. It gets everybody that much more excited. We are visiting with Marshan Kenny, a four-year letterman from 1994 to 1997, two-time All-Conference, third all-time in unassisted tackles, 406 total tackles. And Marshan, let's uh, let's do a couple of glory days. I was there in Tiger Stadium, November 12th, 1994. Chris Pierce kicks a, I believe, a 52-yard field goal. Eagles uh, beat LSU in Tiger Stadium. And you did what Baker Mayfield did before Baker Mayfield was even born. You took the Southern Miss flag and went and stood in the middle of the Tiger. And I know somebody growing up from New Orleans, man, what a special moment that was for you. Oh, man. I mean, I'm a, you know, until I came to Southern Miss, I was a diehard LSU guy. Blood purple and gold from New Orleans. Um, you know, just couldn't get enough LSU. So when I saw on that schedule my freshman year that we were ending the season at Tiger Stadium Saturday night, it's a special place. Uh, I, I had it circled on my calendar. A lot, all the Louisiana guys especially did. And uh, when Chris Pierce kicked that 52-yard game winning field goal uh, to win the game after a Patrick Sertan key interception late in the game, uh, when, that, when that ball went through the uprights and we held on at the end for the win, I mean, it just uh, I was just overcome with joy. Uh, the fans in the end zone, we had thousands of fans that came in from Mississippi and all over, and they basically had to turn the lights off of the stadium because we were partying and celebrating so hard with everybody. And then, yeah, I do have a picture that I'm probably posted on Instagram of playing the Southern Miss flag right in the middle of Tiger Stadium, and I'll never forget that moment, man, being a Louisiana guy. As a freshman, you, you beat Tulane, you beat LSU, and then – the rest of the year, you play Virginia Tech, Memphis, Texas A&M, East Carolina, Alabama, Lafayette, Tulsa, Florida, and LSU. I mean, what kind of schedule were we looking at back then? That's wild, bro. Man, that, that schedule, I mean, at A&M, at Florida, at Alabama. I mean, it was just – we looked at it in the preseason like, well, we, we got our hands full for sure this season. And, uh, you know, to come out of that with a 6-5 and five winning season and to, to, to finish – that season with a winning record at Tiger Stadium, man, that, that was just that was that was special. I and mean, what a, what a unique time to be a Golden Eagle to to go to those places and to pull off wins and um, and just do what we did back then. And I, that's why I'm so excited about Will Hall. I think he can get us back to that pretty quickly. You uh, you never were on a losing team, of course. Uh, 1996, the heartbreak at Houston. Uh, you know, unable to uh, advance uh, to to the Liberty Bowl, but '97 rolls around, and you want to talk about what what was it about the '97 team specifically defensively? Uh, you just look back; it, it is it's unbelievable how much NFL talent was was on that team defensively specifically. I mean, I just love to say this stat. I mean, counting myself out of the 11 starters, I mean, 10 guys went to the NFL, whether drafted or free agent. I was a free agent with the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, that's unheard of. Ten of 11 guys. And the 11th, Latrell Pollard, was more talented to be a linebacker. He didn't go for whatever reason. I mean, basically, it was just NFL talent on that field. And we were, we were just tough to – the season went along. I mean, you saw it, you know, what we did to Houston. I mean, we beat them 33 to nothing. We go to the Liberty Bowl, beat a hot Pittsburgh team 41 to 7. I mean, people just couldn't move on us towards the end of the season. Uh, we were just yelling as a team. And I, I truly believe, you know, tough top defense, one of the top defenses in the nation easily, you know, whether statistically or just look at us on paper. They were just fun to be around, man. And it was hard to make plays on that team my senior year. My junior year a little bit, I made a lot of plays, but it was hard that senior year. We had so much talent, man. 
It's pretty wild. At Florida, at Illinois, uh, Nevada, Alabama, Louisville, East Carolina, Tulane, Cincinnati. I remember being at the uh, the Tennessee game. Now, this happened on the offensive side of the ball. Um, th- that game, I believe Harold Shaw trucked Al Wilson in the first quarter. Uh, Eric Booth later on uh, re- returned that. But do you remember that play specifically? I think it was a toss off the left side. Shaw trucks Wilson, and I think he scores on that play. Oh, man, I do remember that. And, and the toughest guy I had to tackle during my college football career was Harold Shaw. I mean, he was just a, just a beast. Yeah, I remember that play. And, and Eric Booth was so talented and fast. That's how good we were in some, some uh, spots on the offense. I mean, Booth returned the kickoff for a touchdown, outrun the Tennessee kickoff team. you got to be fast to do that. Then uh, then we end up in Memphis, and uh, to cap it off, uh, came in in that game, the Gonzalez, the Pittsburgh quarterback, they were supposed to destroy us. What a game. You end your career on a 41-7, to but everybody remembers on the sideline because Lee Corso had uh, predicted that we would get trounced in that game. What did you say to the camera, Marchant? Well, you know, that was when Lee Corso, the college game day thing, was kind of getting big, and Corso started his comments of, you know, not so fast, my friend, so... You know, it's fourth quarter games well in hand. You know, we're, we're in front of the camera saying hi, mom, and all that stuff. Well, I, was, I saw an opportunity, man. I saw an opportunity to get in front of the camera. And I remember Lee Corso that day picking, uh, picking against Southern Miss, and I couldn't help myself. So I got in front of the camera and I said, Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. You tell those boys from Pitt to go back up north, don't come down south anymore. <laughs> so, and it's, uh, oh. it's, it's brought me quite a following of, of people that, that never forget that moment. So <laughs> it, was a, it was a good one. <laughs> and uh, when, we beat, when we beat TCU in 2003, we were doing Itsy Bitsy and Southern Miss outside the football team. Nobody really knows about Itsy Bitsy, but that's exactly what Antoine Cash said. He said, hey, hey, Corso, not so fast. And uh, we know the rest. But anyway, yeah, what, what, an, what exciting moments. Uh, you were inducted in the M Club Hall of Fame uh, in, in 2009, and I know, man, that means the world to you. And, and Marshan, man, we really appreciate everything you, you do for the university. You're an absolutely great ambassador. You are what it, it means to be a Golden Eagle. And thanks for spending some time on, on the Eagle Hour with us today, bro. Thank you so much, Rav. It's always good catching up. We'll hopefully catch up again real soon. And SMTTT all day. Southern Miss to the top. Marshan Kenny, former Southern Miss linebacker. Always great uh, to, to talk to. Appreciate his time today. We'll step aside. Kelly Sander up on the Eagle Hour after this. Southern Miss to the top. Appreciate the one and only Marshant Kenny joining us in the second segment of the Eagle Hour. 
His thoughts on Will Hall, reliving some of the glory days while he played for Southern Miss. And always a great dude to talk to and appreciate uh, his time. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. College World Series, you can watch it every day, as well as the 895 Lunch. 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Luke and Michael from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel Bob out today. Go to Kelly Santer on the phone line, and, and Kelly, uh, Marchant and I were, uh, were laughing through text off, off air. A lot of people don't, don't know this about Marchant, but he had a roommate his first two years in Van Hall named Brian Burns. And Brian Burns had a 10-foot python that actually lived in the dorm room with them. Uh, a few things about this python, when, when the guys would grill uh, out on uh, the on the lawn of Van Hall, the, the python would just stretch out across the lawn <laughs> in Van Hall. Uh, he would be fed mice monthly, and so they put flyers up all around uh, the Van Hall, and and uh, it was cu- quite the spectacle whenever the python got to eat. But the, the craziest thing was, uh, the python would yawn in the middle of the night, and it would kind of sound like a woman screaming. Uh, like in Fright, and Marchant said it was like horror movie type of stuff, scared him to death. And all of that, uh, R.I.P. Van Hall, because all of that used to happen in there. Kelly, you ever heard a, a python yawn? I, I never have. I, that is That would be a new one on me. But, you know, if, if before Van Hall you know, was gone, if they could have, if all could talk, right, Uh <laughs> <laughs> There's a book waiting to happen. Somebody to write about some of the exploits and escapades of things that went on, you know, in in those halls at Van Hall. I'm not sure people would believe it uh, if that book was ever written, because I'm sure some crazy stuff along those lines. Uh, it would sure make for great reading, that's for sure. Uh, maybe somebody's had that idea and just hasn't done it yet, but. What a great story! It really would. During uh, during two days, uh, every morning, you would hear that air horn at the end of the wall, and they would come and beat on your door. And at night, either Latrell Pollard or Andy Butler or somebody would knock on your door and make sure you're in there. And and uh, yeah, man, those those were the days. And I lived off campus, so I would just bring sheets and and uh, a pillow <laughs> up there to Van Hall, you know, for the two days or the two weeks of two days. Good stuff. Now, didn't, Kelly, now, didn't, before, we, uh, before we move. I was just going to say, Go didn't O.B. Bowen used to have that air horn, the late O.B. Bowen? Um, that was with, one of with, his, yeah. They would borrow it. And okay. uh, O.B. on the practice field would always say, right. uh, Coach Bauer would yell at him, and he'd say, hold your ears, and then he'd blow it really loud. But, yeah, we, we probably got that from, from O.B.'s stash. Um, before we talk about other things, you covered that 97 Liberty Bowl game um, that, that Marchant famously at the end told Lee Corso on national television, not so fast. You were saying off air that that was probably one of the the greatest games in Southern Miss history as far as what they were supposed to do and how much they dominated that game. It was a complete thrashing uh, of of Pitt that game. I, it was of all the games that I've covered in a thirty five or forty year career in the Hattiesburg area. I think football wise, that was the most complete football game. I'd ever seen this. Now, I didn't get to ever see, you know, any of the Bobby Collins teams. I got here just just after uh, Bobby Collins left, and I do certainly understand that there were some, you know, great efforts 
those teams. But as far as the ones that I got to witness personally, and I got to see, I think it was the most complete effort um, that I've ever seen a Southern Miss football team uh, put on. It was clinic, and they just just annihilated uh, Pitt that day. It was what what a great great game it was. Both sides of the ball, all around. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Sander, what's going on on this Wednesday? Well, <laughs> Luke, while we go talk a little bit about a lot of things, the, the South, uh, the Sun Belt Conference, looking to the South, the Sun Belt Conference at University of Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette may make Billy Napier the first $2 million coach in the Sun Belt. They're trying to restructure his, his contract and rework, of course, Napier was the center of several coaching searches by several bigger, bigger schools uh, in the offseason. And all the Cajuns did last year, among other things, was go up to Ames, Iowa, and knock off the Iowa State Cyclones in Ames. Of course, Iowa State is projected to be a preseason top 10 team this year. So in the, in the Sun Belt, they may have their first $2 million football coach in the likes of Billy Napier. Fox Sports announced this morning that their NASCAR, one of their Prize NASCAR announcers Jeff Gordon will be leaving the broadcast booth at the end of the 2021 NASCAR campaign, which will be in November. He will be rejoining Hendrick Motorsports, a team that he used to race for. He will be named the vice president of Hendrick Motorsports in charge of development. So a, a short but rather uh, fruitful career for Jeff Gordon in the Fox broadcasting booth will come to an end uh, at the end of this NASCAR season here in 2021. Just a couple of things going on. And, of course, a lot of people confused, and I, and I can't say that I blame them, people confused by the bracket at the College World Series because everybody thinks, well, Mississippi State and North Carolina State being the only two undefeated teams would play each other. But that's not the way it works. Luke, right? It's a really wacky kind of um, bracket the way that, that they work things uh, up in Omaha. So even though they're... There are only two unbeaten teams. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to play each other just yet. Yeah, it's almost like the, the best way to explain it is it, it's almost like a, a regional and a super regional in the same tournament. So basically each side of the bracket is like a four-game regional, or I'm sorry, a four-team regional where you have to – you could be in the winner's bracket, but if you're in the loser's bracket, you can come back and actually win twice. And and still be able to uh, to advance to the series. The championship series is like a super regional. It's a best two out of three. And so even though Mississippi State is is through until um, Friday, uh, they would still whoever you know were to win between Texas and Virginia can still come back and and defeat Mississippi State. And the same thing on the other side, NC State. Uh, you know, sitting sitting high cotton there, they would have to get beat twice, and so this is why you want to go two and zero because you basically get two days rest. And so it, I think it's it's pretty peculiar. Virginia had state, you know, beat last night, and uh, and Mississippi State came back, and but I think it's so intriguing that um, you you've got a national seed eliminated. And you've still got, you know, NC State and, and Virginia still alive. And I think Virginia's got a, a, a good chance. It's going to be starting pitching wise to see what happens. But I think Virginia's got a, a decent chance to beat Texas. Texas bats sure woke up against Tennessee, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure about that, that format. I mean, again, the, the layperson sitting at home is going, wait a minute, you've got two undefeated teams. Why would they not play each other uh, in the next game in a regular, you know, double elimination tournament? But as you so aptly described it. Uh, we don't know why it's set up that way, but it just is. So if the series 
were to um, were to the final, the championship series were to take place. It would be Mississippi State and North Carolina State would play each other two out of three. And right now, both of those teams, as you also said, are in the driver's seat in their particular pods, if you will. Uh, it is going to be a two out of three for the teams that advance out of out of each side of that bracket. And right now, state both states, you know, North Carolina and Mississippi, um, both looking looking pretty good at this point. But when you look back at it too, you know how close the Eagles were to to getting out of the the regional at Oxford. Man, <laughs> baseball like anything else, a game of inches. You know, I mean, it, it, and, Southern Miss could be there just as easily. And to that point, I think that's why I kind of like the championship series format better. Baseball should not be decided. A tournament should not be decided on one game. And so that's why I like the two out of three. And so when you look at it, Arizona eliminated, Tennessee eliminated, tonight's elimination game, Vanderbilt and Stanford. That's at 6 p.m. tomorrow, Virginia and Texas at 6 p.m. And then state through to Friday at 6 and uh, NC State will play the winner of Vanderbilt and Stanford uh, Friday at, at 1. So NC State, Mississippi State, uh, the only uh, undefeated teams. And then based off who wins those games, if necessary, you would play on Saturday if, if the undefeated teams were to get beat. Then everybody gets a day off, and you've got two teams left, and you play the 28th, the 29th, um, and, uh, and the 30th, uh, which is next Monday, Tuesday, and then if necessary on Wednesday. Yeah, and I know that that Ole Miss plays Southern Miss much more frequently you know, in baseball, and State you know will play uh, the Eagles occasionally in one of these midweek games, and they don't necessarily they're not in any big hurry to reschedule it if it happens to get rained out. And heavens knows we had plenty of rain this year, but uh, but I think I think I speak for most Southern Miss fans that, and not that Mississippi State fans are losing any sleep over it, but I think most Eagle fans are certainly rooting hard. For Mississippi State, you know that, that some good news would be delivered for our state, and if the Bulldogs are the ones carrying the banner, then so be it. You know, so um, good good luck to Mississippi State in that effort. Count on good old Eagle Post. Somebody uh, said, "What a comeback, Mississippi State!" And somebody aptly commented, "What is this dog post?" <laughs> Count, on, Count on Eagle Post. Hey, we'll take a break. Kelly and I will wrap up the Eagle Hour. After this, don't go anywhere. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Last segment brought to you today and every day. D-Bat, D1 Training. Both in Hattiesburg, side-by-side on Hardy Street. Eight batting cages, softball, baseball machines, can work any part of the zone, high, low, middle, off-speed, fastballs, all that's on the D-bat side and then the D-1 training. You can go stand in the exact point 
where Luke Johnson pulled his hamstring over a, a month ago. Not that you would want to do that. You might be more excited to stand where Kelly Center uh, was literally blown off his feet at the 5-240. But it all happened on the D1 training site. They got weight machines in there. They got absolutely state-of-the-art facilities. And coaches, uh, football coaches, if you're looking to get 40 times, take your team in there. They can set up their laser, and uh, they can give you accurate 40 times. And all that is available at DBAT and D1 training. Luke Johnson at the First Bank's Studios in Laurel. Michael Morgan's producing uh, in Hattiesburg at the First Bank Studio. Bob out today. He will be back uh, tomorrow. A couple news and notes. Southern Miss women's basketball. New staff uh, additions. Matt Gardner, uh, Caitlin Pachok, and Walker Park, Warner Parks all uh, getting uh, promotions and coming on staff. Director of basketball operations, a new assistant coach. Uh, lots of uh, going on with Coach McNellis. And, of course, we all uh, remember her. She continues uh, her fight and uh, just being an inspiration to us all. Softball's got a new graduate assistant, Crystal Goodman, joining uh, the Southern Miss softball staff. She has played at the University of Alabama the last three years, and so Crystal uh, Goodman coming to Southern Miss as a new GA in softball. And then... uh, Kind of uh, mixed emotions about this. Congratulations to longtime equipment's operations, Patrick Stewart. Everybody knew him as Pat. Took care of us. Lots of stories there. We try to get him on the Eagle Hour in, in the next uh, few weeks uh, to, to reminisce. And as his time, he's going to retire after serving the University of Southern Mississippi for 20 five years as the assistant athletic director for equipment operations it's going to be hard uh, kelly sander to think about uh southern miss football w- w- without patrick stewart yeah but he'll, he'll be, he'll be, he won't be, he's not going to be sitting around long i understand he's going to come out with a new batch of uh, star trek episodes uh <laughs> oh, wait a minute it's not that patrick stewart is it i was going to say i didn't I didn't, I didn't know that he was... That Patrick Stewart has never worn a pair of Oakleys in his life, unlike <laughs> our Patrick Stewart, who wears Oakleys every time you see him inside or outside. You know, and really, when you when you talk about guys like Patrick Stewart, too, those are really, and the coaches will tell you this, too, guys like Patrick Stewart are the unsung heroes. Because, I mean, they, they do all the, and I hesitate to use the word grunt work because there's negative connotations there, but... But very fundamental work that has to be done to make sure that all the teams are equipped and clothed properly and, you know, very little thanks in that kind of a job. But without guys like Patrick Stewart, you know, the, the ship just doesn't sail. So congratulations to him, and, and hopefully we will be able to get him on the show. Again, like we talked about those walls at Van Hall, I'll bet he's got some doozy stories, you know, um, around some Southern Miss athletes that we might be able to – Coax out of him, so we'll see once he's retired. He, uh, when we have him on, we'll relive. You know, right. as as kickers, it was it was kind of against the Nike contract, but we we occasionally and sometimes wore Adidas cleats. Well, the first things we would do when we get our Adidas, I can say this now because university sponsored football sponsored by Adidas, but. Um, we would color in our Adidas stripes with Sharpie so that it just looked like we had a black uh, shoe on. Well. Patrick was taking pictures of the new uh, Nike equipment we were wearing, and uh, we had not 
blackened out our Adidas stripes yet. And so he emails a picture of the new Nike equipment over to uh, the, the Nike rep, and the Nike rep replies back, shirts and shorts look great, but why are all these players wearing Adidas? Because it was like all the kickers together. We may or may not have gotten in trouble that day uh, from, from Patrick, but Mikey did not pull their uh, pull their sponsorship at all. Um, Kelly, about a minute left. Circling back to to Billy Napier, um, you're talking about you know he, he got basically a, a million dollar uh, increase. He's up to two now. As best I can find, this is mid season last year. Highest paid in uh, Conference USA was Bill Clark. You were right off air saying that one point five million. Uh, beneath him, Butch Davis, one point oh four million at FIU. Rick Stockstill at, at nine hundred thousand with Middle Tennessee. Will Healy at eight hundred fifty-five thousand, and these are not updated as of today. But Will Hall at eight hundred thousand. So you know when Jeremy McLean aimed for that, that's what he was aiming for was to get at least Will Hall in the top half, and he succeeded in that. And you know, the, Butch Davis, of course, has quite a name in college football, but but it certainly isn't because of what he's done lately. You know, I, I would think if there were some people that are going, man, we're not getting our money's worth uh, down at FIU over a million bucks. And uh, he's been there a while now, Butch Davis has, and really hasn't produced the kind of results I think they probably had hoped for. But we got our own things to worry about, right, Luke? And um, and good for Jeremy and Will that, that they're doing what they can to get both the head coach and the assistant coaches uh, coffers a little bit more full to be competitive on a national scale. 73 days until kickoff. We'll, Looking we'll keep forward reminding to it. you maybe That's once right. or twice a week how many days until we hit the 30-day countdown. Appreciate Patrick McGee, Marchant Kenny joining us earlier in the day. We'll step aside for a 24-hour break. We'll hit you up tomorrow at 1 o'clock. We'll talk Southern Miss again. And as always, until tomorrow, Southern Miss. To, to the, the top, top, baby. Like an eagle to the sea, fly like an eagle. Let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.